This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. Without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello there, listener, beholder, and I'd just like to say, welcome and behold the new year, y'all, because it's yes, 2021. 2021, baby. It's arrived. It's arrived. And this is our first um, session recording a Behold podcast. You know, last week we got to hear from the wonderful Sarah Mang that was recorded a while ago. So now this is our first one back in the studio, and we're excited. You know, we're excited to just start afresh this new year and think a lot of us have a lot of hopes and expectations for what this year will look like. But in any event, uh, we hope that the Behold podcast through the highs and the lows of 2021 are going to be a resource for you and, and a source of, again, just hope and of beholding Jesus and just resting in, in who he is. I'm Sean. Dan, say hello. Hey, what's up, everybody? And we have the one and only, the illustrious, the irreplaceable, the mother from another mother, as I've heard people say. <laughs> Connie Johnson. Say hi, Connie. Hello. Oh, this is great. Well, and Sean, you know, you kind of buried the lead there with your introduction because uh, I don't know if you guys realize, and and we'll probably get into this a little bit more, but but, uh, we actually have a philosophy. She is a philosophy major here. She studied... Uh, the deep, deep thinks of, of the universe and the big questions of life. And I think uh, it's going to be really great to have that perspective on today's podcast, uh, you know, based on what we're going to be talking about. So Connie, welcome. How does it feel to be our first guest of the new, of the new year? How do you feel? I'm nervous. <laughs> you guys are, you know, I mean, you're so good at this, just talking off the cuff. And uh, I, it's harder for me, for sure. It's not my, even though it's funny because, you know, I was a philosophy major. We did, had a lot of, at Westmont College, we had a lot of small group discussions about some of these things, but nobody was recording it for like, <laughs> you know, to live on in perpetuity yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah. And um, so anyway, I'm nervous, but the Lord's with me and he's going he's gonna to help me. Yeah, we're going to have a great time. It's, it's really great to have you with us, Connie. It's going to be great. It is. And we have heard everyone's calls. You know, we've got enough complaints about these uneducated saps talking on the podcast. <laughs> get get a real thinker in here. Get, get, get someone that actually knows what they're talking about. Philosophy, legal <laughs> matters. We've got it covered uh, on this podcast. So anyways, uh, man, we are starting this last Sunday, our new teaching series, which is so exciting. It's called Who We Are, a VBC Journey. And if you um, miss out on Sunday, then Tim Barley explained that we're going to be doing this thing at VBC called The Journey. And really, it's a, it's a set of modules that's meant for our people just to understand at VBC and our church family, what do we believe and why do we believe it? You know, of course, that can get really, really deep and thick, but it's kind of meant to be a introductory journey about just the core beliefs that make us who we are. And of course, you know, none of these things are the the types of things that will say, man, we're going to take a stance on this compared to that church or that church. But just these are all biblical things that for us are core values of, of who we are at VBC. And so we're also doing our teaching series based on that. And so this first Sunday, Gary introduced us to our first module topic, which is the topic of God. Does God exist? 
If so, then what? And so I just thought that was really cool, cool way to start the uh, series, great way to get our minds kind of thinking about what we're going to be getting into. So Dan and Connie, I thought maybe before we get into Gary's notes and his specific teaching on the topic of God, you know, I think most people listening and certainly all of us who are in the church at some point, one or another have had to ask that question of, does God exist? Is, is God real? And so I'm just curious for, for you guys, and I'll share as well, you know, when was that first time in your life that you kind of asked that question of, man, does God exist? Is there a God out there? And then what did that process kind of look like for you? Ladies first. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, it's, I have a very undramatic uh, story because I really don't remember ever thinking that God did not exist. I always had a sense of um, who that that God was there, and and I you know I grew up in a Christian home, but I just remember having um, pretty uh, a faith that was real even when I was really really young. Um, that doesn't mean you know I understood uh, who God was or what He was like or or Jesus Christ. I mean that came I think a little later as I you know. Um, learned more about the word. But um, in terms of just having a sense of who God was or the fact that he was there, I always felt like I could pray to him. I always felt like I could talk to him. He was very um, much a presence in my life, an audience of my life mm. from when I was young. So so sorry, but that's pretty, that's kind of my story. No, I love it. I love it. And and I can relate to to that, you know, as well. Definitely had a an understanding a faith in God from an from an early age, but just some of you guys know this about me. Just had a rebellious streak in my life, and just wanted to do my own thing and wanted to, you know, just sometimes really be at odds with with uh, authority or, or or what my family was doing or whatever, just for the sake of of, of causing a, a tiff, you know, and, and making a problem. Um, that's just, that's just who I am kind of apart from the grace of God, you know, mm. just kind of a wild, wild child. And so definitely went through some, some kind of valleys, you know, in, in that understanding or that of the reality of God. And I think probably one of the darkest, you know, times or, or one of the biggest challenges was, uh, when I went to, when I, when I started taking classes, uh, at Las Positas, I was just kind of working on my, uh, <clears throat> prerequisites for my degree and, and just kind of going through, you know, some, uh, some basic kind of classes out there. And I had to, t I took this one class, uh, it was a critical thinking class and the professor was just very, uh, and antagonistic and hostile towards any kind of religion. He's a staunch atheist and just his, I mean, I think day one, he was like, my goal, you know, for this semester is to just tear down every belief that an assumption that each of you have. I mean, it was just, it was just very, I was like, it was buckle up time, you know? Um, and I think at that point in my life, my, my faith was there, but, but it, there wasn't a lot of like depth to it. You know, it hadn't really been tested. It hadn't really been like tried. And so this was the first time where I actually had thoughts about, man, is this whole thing about God just made up? You know, um, is everything that I've read in the Bible my whole life is, is it just a fairy tale? And 
kind of had to really come face to face with a lot of the claims of, of Christianity. And, and, um, you know, there was, there was a time where it was pretty, pretty dark for me. Um, and I, I kind of was in a little bit of a depression and, you know, I just remember during that time having some people in my life that were just encouraging me to, uh, to lean into the questions that were being posed to me that, um, you know, I just remember people saying to me, like, God um, is, is, he can withstand, he can hold up to your the scrutiny, you know, he can hold up to um, the, the questions and the doubts. And if your faith is worth anything, it, it'll, uh, it can, it can hold up to that stuff. And so I just was encouraged, you know, someone encouraged me, hey, write down every question you have about that's being posed by this professor and that's kind of swirling around in your brain. And just um, start doing, start asking people who know and doing some research and looking into these things. And so the kind of things that, that Gary brought up just from a logical, rational standpoint, just about the universe and how things, how things work in the world and humanity and uh, morality. And just, you know, there's a way to think about the, the, you know, the universe that really does point to a God. And so it was just cool. Like, you know, I, I think, I started to get some answers, you know, and, and I had kept a little journal and I, and, and my faith was growing, my faith was growing. And then, you know, I, I, I had another friend, um, a lot of you guys know Nick Breitbart, um, you know, shout out if, if Nick is listening, I remember so clearly, I mean, this was years and years ago, but you know, I told him about my process and my journal and getting all my questions answered. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, he's like, he's like, this is great that you have these questions answered. Like, but, um, you know, do you, do you believe in God? Do you, do you, do you put your trust and faith in him because you have all your questions answered or, or, or do you, do you trust him because you, you know him? And then I kind of looked back at my life, you know, it was this, this retrospective kind of thing. And just like, just realized God, man, God has been there with me every step of the way. You know, I've experienced, like you said, Connie, his, his presence. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the logical, rational thing, like paired with, the experiential thing, um, man, that, that was a real turning point in my, in my faith. And, and it's just been like further up and further in, you know, from, from that point on. So. Mm. Wow. Thanks for sharing Dan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I, um, it's funny, we were talking before the podcast just about how different people have different stories when it comes to their experience with this question. And for some people, like Connie said, it's more of a, a presence thing and a relational thing, and that really is what tipped the scale for them. And for some other people, it's a very rational, logic-based thing. And um, yeah, for me, it was both at different times. And so, you know, I've shared this before on the podcast and with you guys, but I had a really rough just home life when I was young. And I think that at a really young age a lot sooner than your average human. I was just thinking about big questions about life and death and just a sad state, you know? And as a really young kid, thoughts about hurting or ending my life and those kinds of things. And it was during that time where, yeah, like you said, Connie, super young, there's just a clear notion of God's presence kind of countering those things. And of course, being too young to really intellectually understand a lot of it, but still there's this, this is this sense that carried me through that time. And then later on, 
you know, in high school when I got plugged in with a church community and, and saw what family looks like and all that stuff. And that's really how God kind of revealed his care and his community and all those things. It was during that time that it kind of shifted. And even though I had that sense of God being present and real, really challenging, like Dan, you were saying, some of those questions and some of those more logic-based things. And those those of you who know me know that I'm – that's my that's my go-to. I'm a very like logic, rationale-based person, probably too much in a lot of situations. So it was really important for me of just, man, I have these questions. I don't know how to reconcile this and yada, yada, yada. Um, questions about, yeah, the philosophy of it, but also the physics of it. And just how do I make sense of what I'm learning about science and about the universe with what God says about it, you know? And uh, like you said, Dan, just kind of with each question that comes up, uh, God's able to answer it. And at the end of the day, you know, I think a lot, like a lot of us would say, uh, after considering all of the questions and all of my hangups with it and everything, it's just clear that the universe makes infinitely more sense with God than without it. Mm-hmm. You know, even all those really deep science-based questions make way more sense with God than without it. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I just came to realize regarding like science and the science community is that you know, the, the, there's often objections to certain things, and then ten years later they do a total 180, and just their their understanding is always changing. In some ways, that's a really good and, and positive thing for science because it means they're always willing to learn. But at the same time, it also means that their current theory on how the universe is is completely fickle. You know, a year from now they could make some discovery and completely change what they think about it. Versus what we know about scripture and God, which is just unchanging. It's constant, it's faithful. And so, yeah, I kind of painted this, just this, this contrast for me of God's way versus world's way, you know? And again, I'm like such a black and white logic based person, but yeah, at the end of the day, again, just make the world makes more sense with, with God than without him. Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. Connie, I, I was, I was thinking just about, your your experience, you know, at, at Westmont studying philosophy and and I assume, you know, just having some great conversations with classmates and professors and, and things like that. Um, I mean, how did, how did that contribute to to your faith? And and were there any any key kind of moments just in I mean, maybe it was a class you took or or it was a relationship or a conversation or whatever that they really kind of I don't know, bolstered your, your confidence. I I think that's one of the things that Gary talked about a lot on Sunday is, is these, when we think about these things and when we, when we, um, really just ponder these realities, like it, it really can build confidence. So I don't know. I was just wondering, I'm kind of like envious that like, I want to live vicariously through (laughs) your experience, uh, you know, going to Westmont and, and, and studying that stuff. I don't know if that's a common thing said. Oh, I want to live through the life of a philosophy major. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm kind of weird. I'm kind of weird like that. But, but, but yeah, how, how did that kind of contribute to to um, to your faith? Yeah, you know, it's. I loved how you guys were talking about the experiential uh, aspect of knowing God exists versus the rational, um, you know, deep thinking cosmological arguments about why God exists. Um, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's it's just encouraging because the smartest person in the whole world could be an atheist. You know, the smartest person in the whole world can know all sorts of mathematical 
philosophical, uh, amazing facts, but they just cannot believe that God really exists or that God um, is real or that he's personal. And I think that intelligence and arguments, kind of like what you guys were saying, Sean, you were saying like the rational part of it is good to explore to some extent. But at the end of the day, it's like if God doesn't reveal himself and it, through the word and enlighten us and take the veil away from our eyes, we are just not going to see it. So mm-hmm. it's, it has nothing to do with intelligence, you know, our faith. So when you're asking me, Dan, about my experience at, at Westmont, which, by the way, is over 30 years ago. <laughs> it's like hey, this. no one has to know that. You went to Westmont <laughs> when you were 35? All... <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, don't have to get that. <laughs> <laughs> to be that ex- exact. But yeah, no, probably like 34 years ago. But anyway, all that to say is, you know, when I was re-reading all these notes and looking at these articles, I was like, wow, yeah, I remember really loving loving this. Um, I'm sure I had lots of great conversations in my philosophy, you know, because Westmont, by the time you get to upper level classes, especially philosophy, I mean, I, my classes were like 10 people, you know, 15 people. So we would just sit around and we would talk and it was great talking with the, um, the the professor and the other students who really love to think deeply about these things. But ultimately, it's 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 experiential. Do you know what I'm saying? It it comes down to uh, do we do we experience the Lord rather than just reading about Him yeah. and theorizing about Him or why He exists or doesn't exist. I remember vividly this one class it was actually a theology class it wasn't even a philosophy class but i felt i i um i don't remember the class but i just remember um it was like within the two weeks where you can drop it and i remember um sitting outside the library at this big rock which i know some westmont students know exactly the rock i'm talking about but i'm sitting there just feeling like i'm not sure if my faith can handle these kind of questions you know i wow. I, I definitely believed i had it, i had faith from when i was little but just still growing in that um, as a college student and thinking like some of the questions that are going to be asked in this theology class i didn't feel i was ready for and so i i remember thinking i'm going to i think i need to drop this class and i hate the thought of dropping or not finishing something i start but <laughs> right. you know i remember i remember thinking you know your faith is always growing, and sometimes you can't you you're not ready f- for some of the deeper theological questions and philosophical questions. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of going around your question of. No, I, love I it. had a lot of uh, conversations, but ultimately, it's it has to come down to how are you experiencing God? How are you seeing Him in in other students and in in your life and how He's working? You know, it the, all the arguments and things. There's an end. And, yeah. and really, that's not the way. That's not the means of drawing close to him. But I oh. love that we're doing this series. I love that that um, Gary introduced, introduced us to this. Um, I think it's Kalam. How does he say it? Kalam cosmological, cosmological yeah. argument. Yeah. yeah, it's great to think about like the the logic of why we believe God exists. But ultimately, it's got to come down to experience, like both of you were saying. Yeah, man. I- Thanks for sharing that, Connie, and I so agree. And it's so interesting to think about what that looks like for people because, you know, I think sometimes people hear that, like what you just shared, and they might say to themselves, man, I haven't had this, like, 
epiphany where God spoke to me directly and said these exact words to me in my heart. Like not everyone has felt that in their journey with God so far. And so I think it's interesting to think about what are the ways that people can see God's presence around them? Maybe not exactly like that though. For some people that is exactly what happens. That's really powerful and, 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 and an example of the Holy Spirit speaking to them. But like for me, for example, when I was in high school and after doing what you said, like thinking about the rationale of it, the way that I mostly saw the reality of God's care and his presence and his comfort was through all the people around me and like observing their transformed lives and seeing Christ's love through them. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's not always like, I just want anyone listening who they, that's what they would say. Like, oh, I haven't had this thing. I must not know God. Sometimes God works in other powerful ways. And of course we do trust and expect that when we do know God and know Christ and the veil's lifted, that the Holy Spirit will engage with us and whatnot. But I just want people to think that that's the only way they can see God in that in that process. Yeah, well, and I think that was part of what what Gary was was getting at in in bringing us to places like Romans one and Acts fourteen, and just to 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 tell us that that God, you know, has He's made uh, He has not left us without a witness. <laughs> Right through the things that are made, through the things that you know when and and even in, at that time, you know they didn't know things like we know today. Like, oh man, the universe is actually expanding; it's getting bigger and bigger. Right? They they didn't have a, a real sense of the immensity of the universe or the complexity of the human body or the fine tuning of of our our galaxy. You know, like and and how it, how our planet can support life and. Um, they, they didn't know all the things that we know, you know, scientifically, but C- Paul clearly tells us in Romans one that, that God's eternal power and his divine nature are clearly perceived in, in the things that are made. So just as they observe what, you know, <laughs> the essence of creation, um, really logically and rationally, um, no one can be without excuse. <laughs> no one can say, "Oh, there is no God." You know, uh, David even said in in in, in the Psalms that uh, even uh, that only a fool in his heart says that there is no God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the Acts fourteen thing, just that God has given us a witness by by giving us these you know uh, these seasons like rain and harvest and and you know so so like like I think it's really important what you're saying, Sean that that not everyone's going to have the same experience, you know, like uh, of God in, in a personal way. Um, Sometimes it, sometimes I think it, someone's faith journey can start that way that God just, you know, intervenes and just says something. I think for, for other people, they have to kind of start, you know, um, with these uh, rational, logical thoughts. Right. And I, and we, it kind of reminds me of, we, we were talking about in, um, our connect group that I think it's really important to when we're talking to people that are either they're atheists or they're unbelievers, or maybe they're agnostic, they don't really know what, where they stand. You know, there's, there's kind of two objectives, right? The the first objective is let's, let's have a conversation about the, um, the, the evidence that supports that, that there is a creator God, that there is, there is some, some, um, entity that is outside of time and space that, that is the uncaused cause as Gary, you know, kept saying on Sunday, right? Let's have a conversation about that. And, you know, uh, once somebody is convinced of that, then we can ask the question, 
um, okay, well, let's talk about the God of the Bible and how there's a there's a lot of great credible evidence that points to the God of the Bible as being that uncaused caused, you know, and and mm-hmm. to kind of take people along that way. Um, so so that's kind of I don't know. As I was listening to Gary, I was thinking about those two objectives, and and in all of our stories, for those of us that have put our faith in Christ and that are convinced of these things and are growing in confidence, we have grappled with those two arenas and those objectives have been achieved kind of, you know, in our hearts and minds. Does that make sense? That that makes so much sense to me. And I, I loved how you you said that. Let's start at that, you know, like, does God exist? You know, and then what are the implications of that? Because I feel like so many people start with the, um, with their own life and kind of their life choices uh, I, I remember listening to Tim Keller one time, and he said, um, "All these, you know, the, these these teenagers or young adults, they, you know, grow up in the church, and then they go away to school, and then they come back, and I'm having coffee with them or something, and there's, you know, they're they they were really really like uh, grounded in the Lord when they left, but then they come back and they say things like, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure that the Bible is." you know, really the word of God. I'm not sure if every word of the Bible is true. I don't know. I don't even know if God exists. And Tim Keller says he looks right at them and he says, okay, so you're living in sin, basically. (laughs) Because because it's like if you, you, people don't want to know whether God exists or not, because it means they have to do something with their life or they have to change something. Right. Well, that, that was the question that Gary brought up is like, he's like, so if, if, if all of these things that are true about, you know, just the rational and personal evidence that points to, to God, right. So then what, why are there atheists? You know, why isn't everyone just believe uh, that, that there is the uncaused cause and that that uncaused cause is the God of the Bible. Why doesn't everyone believe that? Right. It's because they want to do their own yes. thing. They well, don't want to be accountable. Exactly. Yeah. In Romans 1, it, they suppress the truth. They don't want the truth to come out, right? I think of like Richard Dawkins and all these big, um, big time atheists. Right. You know, in the, in the quiet of, the, of their mind, when they're laying their head down on their pillow, I mean, I really, really wonder if they're just nagged at the fact that like, okay, God does not exist, right? right? Right. You know, they're telling their soul they're all like the time. They're preaching to themselves. They're preaching yeah. themselves that he does, he must not exist. He cannot exist because that means I have to change something about my life and wow. I don't want to, yeah. right? Which is so funny because, um, you know, I think as people who the veil have been lifted and we can behold Jesus now, it's like completely 180. Like the idea of having that thought process is like infinitely worse you know, of what that means for your life, what that means for your reality, if God doesn't exist. I'm like, why would you want to convince yourself of that? What a miserable existence that you're missing out on if you, if you, if that's what you're telling yourself, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, what, uh, this is one of my favorite verses in Ecclesiastes where it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end, that he has put eternity in our hearts. Like, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about what that might mean for, you know, people? I mean, people can't deny that there is a sense of eternity. Oh, man, I think that's, I think it just goes back to what you were saying, Connie, about uh, it, what Paul says in Romans 1, that they, they're suppressing, you know, that, that, uh, um, like spark, you know, in, in their soul. And they, they, they exchange the truth of God, you know, for a lie. Mm-hmm. And, 
And, um, <clears throat> and then we see the downstream of effects of that. Then, then there's all kinds of rebellion and, and, and mayhem and destruction that, that in every kind of evil practice, you know, like flows out from that suppressing of, of the, of the truth. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, I think that, I think that is, it definitely points to, and, and, and I think the kindness and the wisdom of God that, that he made us with that, um, that thing that irks us about, uh, reality and the, the cosmos and, and, and just humanity and morality and whatever, the, the big questions of life, right. Mm-hmm. That I think if, if people are really honest with, with themselves, um, if they haven't just completely numbed out those things nag at you, <laughs> you know, and, and God put that in us mm-hmm. so that we could, uh, you know, like what, what Paul or what Paul says in Acts 14, that we could feel our way towards God, mm. right? That we could find him in, uh, you know, our life. And, um, and God is just so kind and gracious in doing that. Uh, and I, I love how Gary was talking about he, he, at his heart, at his core, he is, he's a father. He's this outpouring, you know, relational being that wants us to, to, to come to him. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's really a cool, cool, um, verse to bring up from Ecclesiastes. You know, when, when you were saying the nagging, you know, Mm -hmm. that it nags at people like who just want to suppress the truth. I remember reading about Charles Darwin and, you know, his whole, um, theory of evolution and how, you know, we all came from whatever. And he's uh, apparently he was so nagged about the intricacy of the eye, the human eye, Mm. and how the human Mm. eye is like the way it works and how it it like reverses the images. And it's like the more intricate than the most intricate, you know, telescope or whatever. So he was just nagged at like, how could this happen by just a series of random chances. Yeah, exactly. He was just nagged about it. So anyway, I'm I'm sure you can do a Google search and, and see what he says about that. But he he just was bugged by, <laughs> you know, how designed it seemed the human eye. Well, I love also that you brought up the um, eternity in our hearts because it totally makes sense. Like you said, Dan, like if you look around at all of the things that we know to be evil in the world, and just the sense of like worldliness in general, it's like totally the natural response that anyone would have if they try to ignore that 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 eternity in their hearts and. It makes me think of that um, when James says, I think in chapter four, uh, that that like, what is your life? You are you're a mist that appears for a little time and then it just vanishes. And I think that people universally they know that they have that idea of their life. So it totally makes sense. Like if you if you are going to work to disbelieve that God is real, then by all means you should be spending every ounce of your energy to enjoy all that this world has to offer. You know, like why would you not? do all the drugs, sleep mm-hmm. with all the girls, like do all the things because your life is yet but missed. You know it's going to disappear. And then after that is an eternity of nothingness. That's your perception. So it totally makes sense how Satan uses that to just completely lead people down the, this path that sets them further and further away from God. It reminds me of, you know, and staff are going through C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. And at one point, one of the demons speaking to another demon is, like, you know, people think that we do our best work as demons by putting all this bad stuff in people's hearts. But in reality, our best work is achieved when we just keep certain things out of their hearts. And I think in this case, when when the reality of God 
and of eternity with him is kept out of people's hearts, the rest is just the natural fallout. You know, it's a natural spiral that for anybody will happen apart from living with Christ. Mm. But isn't it interesting that even, um, I mean, most people have this sense of there's got to be something after death, you know? There is this... There, it's hard for them to suppress it so badly that like, oh, no, it, I just go into nothingness. Like that's hard to imagine uh, for anyone, even yeah. if you don't believe in God. So. Yeah. Yeah. I have. I, it's, that's a good point. I do know several people in my life right now, close people who they would say, yeah, I believe in something after life, but they're content with that being where the conversation stops, you know? Mm. And I, I think all of them probably tell themselves yeah, I'm going to a good place. Right. But, you know, for, for me, it's like, well, if you're going to acknowledge that something exists, then it, it doesn't make sense for that to be true without there being more to it. You know, it doesn't make sense for that to be true without there being message and instruction and word from God telling us what that is. You know, so it's yeah, kind of a, totally. Well, that reminds me of Gary's point on Sunday that, that, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> even though God is not, we can't full, like he's infinite, right? We can't fully exhaust everything there is to know about God. Like there's just some things we're not going to understand, but he, but he said so clearly on Sunday that, that genuinely um, we can know God, that we can enter into a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And he, and he, he put uh, John 17 in there that just talked about, um, well, John 17 and first John five talk about uh, the, kind of the, the glorious, amazing, uh, you know, fruit of knowing God through Christ is eternal life. Right. So just to be able to tell people in our life that, Hey, that, that maybe are at that point where they're like, man, I don't really know what happens after, you know, maybe, maybe nothing, you know, mm-hmm. but, but just to say, man, like, um, God is offering you a gift. It's a free gift. And it's, it's a life that is not only, um, you know, uh, quantitative, like it's going to start now and last forever, but it's qualitative. Like there, there's a lot, there's an eternal quality of life that, that you can live now walking in, in God's ways, like following after Jesus's footsteps. And it it's just so amazing. Like, you know, have you guys ever heard like somebody, I don't know, like, I don't know, like, like you ask them, Oh, do you believe in God? You know? And, and, and they say something to the effect, like, Oh, just, you know, some bearded old gray guy that, li- you know, that lives in the it, it way far off and, and just kind of like, you know, cast judgment and, you know, throws lightning bolts down. Like, no, thanks. You know, have you ever heard like that kind of sentiment, you know, but, but just to, to then to counter and say, man, well, where did you get that idea about God? Like, because that's not how God is portrayed in, in scripture. Like the God is portrayed in scripture as a father who, who wants to, who is, who is constantly generation after generation drawing nearer and nearer and nearer and doing everything and giving everything so that we can know who he is and experience the eternal life that he, that he offers. And, and so I just think, I think sometimes the, the reason that people don't believe in God is because they have a weird idea of, of who God is. They, they made it up themselves or they got it from a movie somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, but if we actually look at what the Bible talks about, uh, what's the character and heart of this, of this God, it, not only can we know him intimately and, and personally, but it, I mean, there's, there's, there's no, there's no, no one better. <laughs> you know, do you guys, you guys with me? Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. I, I love, you know, in starting with that, the the fact that there must be 
a God in this universe? Because nothing else makes sense. I mean, when you look at, if you look at anything, you know, look at a, a flower or a, a leaf or the sun. I mean, I, okay, I remember going to a, um, a lecture. It was like parent week or something at, at when Ellie was at Berkeley, and she was taking a um, astronomy class. I was going to say astrology, but that would not be right. <laughs> <laughs> Astronomy class, and it was um, this big lecture hall with like 400 people there, and the professor was so, like, he was definitely probably an atheist, but he was so enamored with solar eclipses, and he was telling us all this stuff about the solar eclipse and how does a solar eclipse work, and, you know, is I, I he said something like, the moon is like exactly, you know, 400 times smaller than the sun. And then the, it's also 400 times closer to the earth than the sun is. That is why a, a total eclipse can happen. I mean, that seems so orderly, you know? <laughs> right, right. Like, how does it just happen that way? And But the way he talks about it, he uses these uh, this religious language, like, I don't remember, like some of the, I, I wrote it down, but he would use um, awesome or yeah. glorious, these this language, but has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with creation. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I got two, two things, two things on that okay. um, really quick. So you know who, who talks about this stuff that like, he's a really a phenomenal, um, Tim Barnett from, from Stand to Reason. I don't know if you guys have ever mm-hmm. looked at his stuff, but just Google Tim Barnett from Stand to Reason. And he actually came to a men's retreat we did a number of years ago. And I really like just his, how he talks about, um, you know, the, the, the fine tuning of the universe or just the different cosmological things that happen and, and how it's so orderly. And it's so, I mean, if, if it was just off like a fraction of an inch, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, like the whole thing would be thrown off and it's so orderly. And, and so he's awesome. And, and one of the things that, he said that just rings out of my head ever since. I mean, it's, it's powerful. He, he, when he, you know, Gary, Gary answered the question on Sunday, like, what do you say when people ask you, why do you believe in God? And Tim Barnett's answer was, was just really great and, and resonated with me. And it just said, because it's the best explanation for the way things are. Yeah. You know, I love that. Um, there, and then the, the story of that professor that you just talked about um, reminded me of an analogy I heard from an apologist once. And it goes like this. I'll try to do it brief, it's, but it's pretty fun. So, so there's these two colleagues that work in a, in a botany lab, okay? So they study plants, right? And they've been working together for years. Um, and they, you know, super, super close, all kinds of different studies and projects and, and all that. Well, one day... Um, you know, uh, the, the, the guy who, who works with the girl, the, the guy and girl, the guy brings in a, a new specimen, you know, um, and leaves it on, on the desk for, for, for the girl. Well, when she comes in the next day, she sees it and she's like, Oh man, this is so amazing. Like this plant is just, I've never seen anything like this. And, and so she starts like getting, you know, all her equipment together and, she starts looking through her catalog of species and she's like, you know, trying studying it to the nth degree, you know, like putting it under the microscope and, and figuring out all this stuff, writing all this data down and, um, and just having a blast. Right. Well, the next day when the partner comes in, uh, he asks, you know, uh, his, his, his lab, his lab partner, Hey, did you, did you get the, did you get what I left you on your desk yesterday? And she's like, yes. Oh my gosh. It's so amazing. Like, I, I, I got all this data and I, I, this research and it's beautiful. And like, you know, um, th- you, thank you. This is so exciting. Like you want to study this together. And, and he says to her, 
you're an idiot. (laughs) And she's like, what? And he says, do you know what yesterday was? And she's like, what, what? It it was Valentine's day. That was a rose. (laughs) Do you you get what I'm saying? And, and I think, you know, like you were saying, Connie, like there are some amazingly intelligent people in the world Mm -hmm. that know how to research and study and ask questions and, and really get down into the mysteries of the universe. Right. But if they are suspending in their mind, the possibility that there is an uncaused cause, right. Mm -hmm. And that he made actually everything for, for us to be in relationship with him, that he actually made everything that's that, that, that makes us say, wow. And and that is the stuff of worship. He made that stuff so that we could know who he is, Mm -hmm. not just so that we could learn all these cool facts and study it, but you know, it's, so it's like, you know, the purpose of the rose is, is for relationship. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a reaching out. Hey, let's, let's do this. You know, I care about you, but I think a lot of times in our intellect (laughs) and in our, you know, ability to study things, we totally miss the point Mm -hmm. of, of, of creation. Mm. Amen. That's, that's good. Clueless girl. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Those botanists, bunch of, I'm just kidding. If you're a botanist, <laughs> I apologize. Um, yeah, and you know, it's interesting to think about because we haven't talked on this episode that much yet, but God gave us a rose, you know, figuratively more or less. Mm-hmm. And it's a great source, not only of the logic and the proof that he exists, but of the relationship and of that extension of his love and care. And that rose is his son, Jesus. You know, as you hear about and read about and think about God's existence, you cannot separate that from God's actions in sending Jesus to this world, what Jesus then did in his time on this world that proved that God is real, and then what that means for, for the rest of our lives now. And that reminds me of a quote that I pulled up from Keller's book, The Reason for God, which is a great, great resource. If you're considering any of these big questions and you need some help finding answers, uh, the reason for God, and the, it's called Belief in an Age of Skepti- Skepticism. Such a great read and such a great biblically-based uh, book where they just go through different questions and answer them. But anyways. Well, they Keller, got some great videos, too. Have you seen those videos that were, where people talk about? Uh, yeah. You know, they sit around. He actually sits around with atheists and talks about the different chapters and topics and stuff. So it's pretty pretty cool stuff. It's really fun. Um, but anyways, in, in that book, he says this thing about Jesus that I think is so profound um, that kind of speaks to both the the intellectual and the heart of it. He says, and this is talking about Jesus' miracles and just all those miracles that he performed on this earth. He says that we modern people think of miracles as the suspension of natural order, but Jesus meant for them to be the restoration of the natural order. The Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease and hunger and death in it. Jesus has come to redeem where it is wrong and heal the world where it is broken. His miracles are not just proofs that he has power, proofs that God exists, but also they wonderfully there are wonderful foretastes of what he's going to do with that power. Hmm. Jesus's miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, but they are a promise to our hearts that the world we all want is coming. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so concise and really wraps up what Jesus as a human, as a God, 
as minister and miracle performer just does for us. And so anyways, if you're listening and you haven't done that process of examining the person of Jesus, examining what he claimed and then what he did, man, you got to do that because it will rock your world. And I think really lead into our next question that we're going to kick around really quick as we end, which is, so what then? Like, what does this truth have in our lives? What does this change for us? So Dan and Connie and I'll go to like, if someone asks you that, like, so what, what does that mean that God's real? How does that impact your life? What would you say to them? Hmm. I love, uh, I love that you, you know, you're finishing out this time with um, elevating who Christ is, because I think that is the so what of it. Like, you know, I, like I said in the beginning of this podcast that I always had a sense of who God, like that God was there, that he loved me that he um, was real. I could just talk to him. And I remember even as like a first grader having this miraculous thing where I prayed to God and he answered me super specifically. And mm. um, so there is that sense of like God is there, right? But all, always back coming back down to, okay, who who is Christ? Is Christ that God from, you know, is is he God in the flesh? And, mm. and the absolute answer is yes. And so to end it here with the so what, I mean, I remember um, when I was 12 years old, um, uh, there was a new, like a passing p- pastor at our church, and he gave an altar call. And I, I, even though I believed I was a Christian before, I wanted to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, and I, I went forward. I remember my parents were like, what are you, well, you're already a Christian. Like, what are you doing? You don't have to go <laughs> forward, you know, but I felt like I needed to make that commitment for myself to the Lord Jesus. So the so what for me, Sean, is totally about, yeah, I believe there is the supreme being of the world that has created order and harmony and unity and beauty, but that is in the face of Christ. He is the one, you know, that that we 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 worship um, ultimately. It's not just some god of Islam or, um, you know, uh, Judaism, but this is this is in the face of Christ. Yeah, that makes me think of Hebrews one that that Jesus is the is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. Mm-hmm. And um and yeah that that's so cool that God, um, I mean you know through through the incarnation and through just the life and ministry of Jesus that we can see who He is, what He's like. And, um, and that, that, that's huge. I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. Two things that I wanted to share just on, you know, along the lines of, of, so what? So I think the first thing is what Gary talked about from Romans eight fifteen that, that, um, God has, um, even though he's this big, awesome, you know, uh, independent, unchangeable, e- eternal, you know, being, he, he's also, drawn so close, you know, he's closer than our very breath because his spirit lives within us. And so Romans eight fifteen is so cool. And, and I, and I, this, this is the reality that I walk in daily is, is, um, you know, I'll just read it. It says, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, uh, in whom we cry, Abba, Father. And then verse 16 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so as we um, grow in our confidence of these realities, we can actually experience them uh, when we are feeling afraid, 
or when we're, when we're feeling stressed or when we're feeling depressed about the state of the world is in. And I think, you know, that was one of the questions that Gary posed on Sunday is like, uh, can, can this God actually make a difference in our life? Can he actually help us? And I, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I experience that help every day as the spirit testifies to my spirit that there's this language that, that, you know, spirit to spirit, like deep calling out to deep, like we can connect Mm -hmm. in that intimate way that is just like internal and, um, and, and just get, you know, peace and, and comfort and guidance and, and wisdom. It's, it's just, uh, it's a reality that we can walk in day by day, moment by moment Mm -hmm. because of the spirit of God dwelling inside of us. And I think that's a huge, so what, right. Um, and then the other thing I was going to talk about, hopefully this doesn't steal yours, Sean, but I'll just talk about it briefly. So maybe it'll launch you, but I just (laughs) thought it was really cool how Gary kind of ended the time. He said, there are some things that are about that, that are um, true to God's nature and character that we can't even fathom much less like participate in, like they're unique to him. Right. But there are some other things that He's given us uh, a, a, the, abil- the ability to participate in his divine nature, right? So uh, like we were just talking about, God is spirit. We have a spirit, <laughs> you know? God is, uh, is the source of wisdom. We can grow in wisdom. God uh, is the ultimate truth. We can center ourselves on truth. God is love. We can grow and learn to, to, to reflect that love to others and so on and so forth. So I think that is really amazing because it impacts the way we live, right? If we think, uh, you know, daily about this, this reality that we are image bearers and that we reflect God's character and nature to the world in our relationships and the choices we make, uh, you know, <laughs> that I think is a very sobering thought and, and it can help us, I think, inspire us to, to live a different kind of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was what I was going to say. So I knew it. I kind of knew it. It's okay. Okay. You, you <laughs> kudos, did expound, expound kudos, upon it. No, it's okay. Kudos do, do it to better. You. I'll pivot. I'll pivot. On that note. Um, yeah. Just the idea of living as transformed beings, you know, makes me think of our theme verse on this pod, which is second Corinthians three, 17, 18. Like, what does that look like when you with unveiled eyes can behold the image of, of Christ and be transformed? through that to one degree of glory to another. And thinking about that process, like you said, Dan, it's not only, oh, now we know things we didn't know before, but now Christ and God transform who we are, transforms our desires, transforms our joys, transforms our hopes. And that is such a beautiful thing. You know, I think for a lot of people in 2020 and hopefully not too much of 2021, but maybe they have had hardships and had struggles And apart from God and Christ, I can totally see how easy it is to just fall into this sense of hopelessness and of of feeling helpless, of not having something you can do. But life with Christ is just so comforting because we always know that there's things that we can do in situations. We can always be turning to Christ. We can always be renewing our minds in his word, like you said, Dan. And uh, yeah, just the, the freedom in that like you said, Dan, is just, there's, there's a sweetness to that. And so I think sometimes we think about like, or people who don't know Christ think about becoming Christian and becoming a goody two shoes in a square and <laughs> missing out on things. But those of us with unveiled eyes, we know 
in reality, there is a richness and a depth and a sweetness to life on a daily basis that just is impossible apart from Christ now. And that's the transformation I think is so beautiful and, and so worth it. And absolutely, you know, I think for a lot of people, maybe they have this expectation of, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to accept Christ. And then from that day on, everything's going to be beautiful in my life. I'm never mm-hmm. going to struggle, which we know that's not true. That's God promises us that that's not the case. What he promises us though, is that throughout all of those things, he's going to be ever present and ever helpful and a source of comfort for us. Mm. So man, amen to that. that. Those those elements that you said, Dan, that that we can know are so beautiful, are so worthy. Mm. You know, I just, can I say one more thing about, um, I just that I, when you mentioned about um, Dan, about the um, universe is constantly expanding and yeah, I just... I was texting um, with Sharon Collar this morning, and she used the phrase "unfolding grace." And I had—I was thinking about that even b- this morning in in bed before I even got out. I was like, "Every day, God's grace is is there for the next day." You know, wow. this unfolding. Uh, I, John Piper calls it future grace, right? But this idea that the the universe is expanding all the time, but so is God's grace in our life. His is ever expanding and unfolding, and there's always grace for when we come to that point of whatever He has put before us. He 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 does not leave us alone. You know, He doesn't say, "Well, I've given you as much grace today. You, the rest of it's you got to manufacture it or something. You got to <laughs> figure it out." He's always unfolding it and uh, and giving us more and more grace um, as we you know continue to like behold Him, like you're saying, Sean. You know, just He He meets us where we need to be met. Amen. Well, man, I feel like enough said on this podcast. I'm personally really encouraged. And again, if you're listening and you haven't done that process uh, and you would like help, reach out. Any one of us, Dan, Connie, I, everyone else on staff here, we would love to walk you through that process and, and that depiction of what Jesus did on this earth and then what that means for your life. So don't be a stranger, reach out. Even if you don't want to talk about Jesus, you just want to talk about God, man, again, one of the beautiful demonstrations of God's love and his care and his support is through other people. So we would love to be those people for you. Mm -hmm. We hope that you will continue joining us on Sundays as we go throughout this Who We Are series and just continue to, to take topics about life and about the world and reality and just pick them apart a little bit about why we believe that, what, what the Bible and what the Word says about it. And then through that, in an overarching umbrella over all of that, just beholding Christ and who He is and what it means for those different things. Thanks for joining us this uh, episode. We are so grateful always that you share this time with us, that you behold alongside of us. We love you guys. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. Oh. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.